This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Wa salatu wa salamu ala ashrafil anbiya'i wal mursaleen. Wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man istanna bi sunnatihi ila yawmiddin. Allahumma ja'alna minhum wa minal ladhina amanu wa amilu salihat wa tawasaw bil haq wa tawasaw bil sabr. Amin ya rabbil alameen. Thumma amma ba'd. Fa'a'udhu billahi min ash-shaytan al-rajim. وَإِذْ قَالَ رَبُّكَ لِلْمَلَائِكَةِ إِنِّي جَاعِلٌ فِي الْأَرْضِ خَلِيفَةٌ قَالُوا أَتَجْعَلُ فِيهَا مَنْ يُفْسِدُ فِيهَا وَيَسْفِكُ الدِّمَاءَ وَنَحْنُ نُسَبِّحُ بِحَمْدِكَ وَنُقَدِّسُ لَكَ قَالَ إِنِّي أَعْلَمُ مَا لَا تَعْلَمُونَ رَبِّ شَحْ صَدْرِي وَيَسِّرْ لِي أَمْرِي وَاحْلُلْ عُقْدَةً مِنْ لِسَانِي يَفْقَهُ قَوْلِي وَاللَّهُمَّ ثَبِّتْنَا عِنْدَ الْمَوْتِ بِلَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهُ واللهم اجعلنا من الذين امنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر امين يا رب العالمين once again assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh i would like to first start by saying that it's an incredible honor to be here i'm extremely extremely excited to be here and i would like to thank not only ima but the entire administration of this masjid and awqaf itself for opening this opportunity for myself and for all of you. I pray that Allah Azza wa Jal makes this a beneficial evening. And I pray that I'm able to communicate to you what I strongly feel needs to be communicated to you. I am trying my best to try to address subject matter in these lectures as I travel that I have not addressed before that I think is very important for Muslims to hear. And so I want to give you some introductory comments. And those are that we believe that the Book of Allah has solutions for all times. That this is not a book of stories. This is a book of guidance that will last forever and ever. And so it's, when Allah talks about something that happened a long time ago, it is not only information about history, it is actually something that we can use right now. It is something that not only we can use, but we desperately need right now. And so I wanted to take this evening inshallah ta'ala and address one of the most incredible, incredible stories in the entire Qur'an. And that is the story of Adam alayhi salam. And my, you, you guys that have listened to my lectures before, you know that I don't actually talk about all of the ayat from all the different places. I like to take one place in the Qur'an and try to pay attention to how Allah speaks about this issue in this one place to give it its due. And so what I'm going to share with you, even though Adam salam has been talked about, the story comes up seven times in the Qur'an, the first time that it comes up in the order of the Mus'haf is in Surah Al-Baqarah. And so I'm going to be sharing with you some lessons from Surah Al-Baqarah. Now, it was said that I will be taking 90 minutes. 
That depends on you. If I see you sleeping, it'll be 20 minutes. Okay? Did you hear me then? Did you hear me? Okay. Raise your hands for me. Okay, so I know you can hear me. Okay, good. Now, when this talk is over, there are supposed to be some question and answer sessions and things like that. But let me tell you personally, one, something that's very important to me. It's very important to me that I get a chance to say salam to as many of you as possible. Because this is also a sunnah of our messenger wasallam. Just because I'm on the mic and the cameras are pointing this way, doesn't make me any better than you. You are Muslim and I am Muslim. وَمَنْ أَحْسَنُ قَوْلًا مِمَّنْ دَعَى إِلَى اللَّهُ وَعَمِلَ صَالِحًا وَقَالَ إِنَّنِي مِنَ الْمُسْلِمِينَ Who could be better than someone who just declares that they're among the Muslims? I am no different from you like you are no different from me. Allah Azza wa Jal put us, made us, this is the beauty of Islam that He made us equal. He reminded humanity that all human beings are equal. So within Islam also, all of us, all of us are equal. All of us. And so I want to, you know, I'm, I'm not going to try to leave quickly and things like that. I'll try to stay behind as much as I can. Don't rush me and crush me. Let's try to have as many normal conversations as possible, inshallah ta'ala. But I, I'd love to hear from you, inshallah. I know there's a few thousand of you and there's only one of me, so please take it easy. Okay? If, if you want to give me a hug, try not to. Because that's a lot of hugs. So, so I, and I would like to leave with my back still intact. Anyway, what I want to share with you this evening, inshallah ta'ala, the story of Adam alayhi salam. I'll start something a little bit before. وَبَشِّرِ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ أَنَّ لَهُمْ جَنَّاتِ تَجْرِي مِنْ تَحْتِهَا الْأَنْهَارِ Allah says in Surah Al-Baqarah, give congratulations to those who believe. Muslims, give them congratulations. Those who do the few good things. Let's start with that. Allah is not asking us to do a lot of things. He's asking us to do only a few things. That's captured in the word of salihat. It's called jam'u qillah in Arabic. Anna lahum jannat. Yeah? Okay, I'll sleep slowly, inshallah. Okay, I'll try to speak more slowly, inshallah. Anna lahum jannatin tajri min tahtiha al-anhar. That they are going to have gardens at the bottoms of which rivers are going to flow. This is the promise of Allah to every single Muslim. Please understand, in these ayat, Allah Azza wa Jal speaks to the Muslims. He commands the Prophet ﷺ to give Muslims good news. He commands, this is the command from Allah to the Prophet ﷺ that Muslims should be given good news. That they have Jannah. They have Jannah. How many times Muslims hear the message that they probably are not going to make it to Jannah? <laughs> they hear a message that, you know, you're not a good Muslim. I mean, very few people will go to Jannah. You, I don't know. Chances are you will, you know. But Allah Azza wa Jal commanded His Prophet wasallam to, com- to issue a good news, good news to Muslims, not maybe they will, anna lahum jannat. They have it. They have jannat. And so what I want you to remember, this is the only way I know that you are listening, I'm going to tell you three things about jannah. And then I'm going to ask you to repeat them. When the time comes, maybe 15 minutes from now, I will ask you to repeat them. So those of you that are sleeping, if the person next to you is sleeping, Okay, just give them a little elbow so they wake up. Now, here's what you have to do. The first thing about Jannah. 
is going to be fruits. Okay? كُلَّمَا رُزِقُوا مِنْهَا مِنْ ثَمَرَةٍ Any kind of fruit you want, you're going to get in Jannah. That's briefly, I don't go into detail. First thing will be what? I don't hear you. First thing will be what? Fruits. Good. Now you're awake. The second thing, the second thing Allah tells us after the fruits is وَلَهُمْ فِيهَا أَزْوَاجٌ مُطَهَّرَةٌ They're going to have wonderful spouses, marriage. They're going to have a great marriage in Jannah. First thing was what? Fruits. And the second thing is marriage in Jannah. Here's the last thing. وَهُمْ فِيهَا خَالِدُونَ They will live there forever. They will live there forever. So three things. Fruits, marriage, and living there forever. You'll remember that, yes? Okay, this will be important a little bit later on. So stay with me. Now when Allah talks about Jannah and He gives us this picture, He says, I'll go this part quickly again. إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يَسْتَحِي أَنْ يَضْرِبَ مَثَلًا مَا بَعُضَةً فَمَا فَوْقَهَا Allah is not embarrassed to give you any kind of example. Even if He gives you the example of a mosquito, He will give it to you. Why? Why is He not embarrassed to give the example of a mosquito? A teacher, a teacher's job is to explain something. And sometimes to explain something, you need a big example, and sometimes you need a small example. Sometimes you need a serious example, sometimes you need a funny example. The purpose is to make you understand. Allah is the best of all teachers. وَيُعَلِّمُكُمُ Allah. Allah is going to teach you. So He will use whatever example He can. Whatever example He can. To make sure you understand. So sometimes, even in my talks, if you've been listening to my talks, you know that I give a lot of silly examples. But there's only one reason I do that. Because you have to give whatever example you can to make something easy to understand. And that is actually a sunnah of Allah in the Qur'an. He says He will not hesitate in giving any kind of example. But for some people, when they hear the example, they criticize. Why is He giving that kind of example? ماذا أراد الله بهذا مثلا? What kind of example is this? I don't get it. Today, we have a very difficult challenge in this lecture. We are going to try to tackle one of the most difficult problems human beings have ever had. The number one problem in philosophy. Not only philosophy in the West, in Europe and in America, or in Australia, but also philosophy in India, philosophy in Persia, even philosophy in Jahiliya times in the Arab world. There is one question that so many human beings have had for so, so long, that they, it confuses them. And I'll tell you the question. A lot of people ask the question, if Allah knows everything, why is it my fault? Allah already knows if I'm going to do good or I'm going to do bad. So how come it's my fault? It's a very common question. It's asked in Greek philosophy. It is talked about in Christian theology. It is talked about in the Muslim schools, in the theological schools. How does the Qur'an answer that question? I'm gonna start by telling you the story of Adam alayhi salam answers that question. The story of Adam has the Qur'an's answer to that question. And that's what we're going to try to understand tonight. So shaitan doesn't get you with that one. So Allah can give whatever example He wants, yes? 
Allah will teach one of the most complicated subjects in philosophy through the example of Adam alayhi salam. And that is the hikmah of Allah. You know, philosophers, they write chapters and chapters and chapters of complicated material to help you understand predestination, the, the problem of qadr. Really complicated discussion. But the beauty of the Qur'an is that Allah makes things simple, clear, direct, and you will get it. Alhamdulillah. That, this is the, the mercy of Allah the rahmah of Allah, that is, we, we are going to try to understand. Why am I telling you this now? Remember when Allah gives an example, people say what? What's the point of that example? What's, why do you tell me this example? And today we will learn the example of who? Adam alayhi salam. And so we'll see the purpose of that example. Now, Allah says, but before I go on, the Christian belief is that human beings were put on this earth as a punishment. Adam or Adam and Eve, they call it in the Bible, Adam and Eve, they ate from the tree. Actually, they say Eve ate from the tree. Adam was good. Eve told him, hey, let's go eat from the tree. And then he said, okay, fine. And then she got him to do it. We, don't, we know better. We don't blame our mother. The biblical version, the Bible's version, it blames our mother. And actually that's where they get the word evil from. From Eve they derive the word what? Evil. Because they say the first evil was done by, the, by Eve. <laughs> Subhanallah. This is actually not in the Qur'an. The Qur'an actually says the exact opposite. Who was the evil one? Iblis. Shaitan was the evil one. And when Allah says they made, He made the mistake, Allah does not say that Adam salam was okay, it was our mother who made the mistake. No, He says, فَأَزَلَّهُمَا He made both of them slip. Both of them slipped. Meaning Allah puts responsibility on both of them, not one of them. This is very, very important. Very important. Actually, later on in biblical studies, in Bible studies, between the Jews and the Christians, they blame women for a lot of evil. And they say it began with the story of Adam. Women are evil. <laughs> Subhanallah. And you know what's so sad? I think some Muslims think like that too. Some Muslims think very, very badly towards women. <coughs> and they consider them evil. Even if it's not based on the story of Adam salam, it is also a corrupt idea. Thank you. Okay. Now, Allah Azza wa says to the angels that I inni ja'ilun fil ardi khalifa. Please listen to this carefully. The first announcement about Adam alayhi salam is being given and who is listening? The angels are listening. And Adam has not been created yet. That is going to happen. This is before the creation. Allah made an announcement. And the announcement is, I am going to make someone who will live generation after generation after generation on the earth. This is one of the meanings of the word Khalifa. You know what Khalifa means? يَخْلُفُ بَعْضُهُ بَعْضًا Which means, some people will come, then some other people will come, and some other people will come. Like you are Khalifa to your parents, and they are Khalifa to their parents, and they are Khalifa to their parents, and you, they keep following. So Allah will put someone on this earth who will live here for many, many generations. That is one meaning. And that is the plan of Allah. Even before He created Adam alayhi salam, we were supposed to live on this earth. 
that is part of Allah's plan. You understand that much? That's point number one. Point number two. Khalifa means when somebody else was there and you take their place. Somebody else was there, they left, and you take their place. And so from that we learn that maybe, as we learn <coughs> from the Christian and Jewish accounts, that the earth used to have jinn, evil jinn that used to fight with each other, shayateen. And Allah replaced them, and Allah replaced them, and we came after them. So the earth used to have evil and wars and before we came. And Allah replaced the jinn with us on the earth. That was the plan of Allah. Let me ask you again, have the human beings been created yet or no? Nope. This is an announcement before the creation. And who did He make this announcement to? The angels. Now what did the angels say? When He says, I'm going to put someone on the earth, who will stay there generation after generation after generation, listen to the question of the angels. They said, are you going to put someone in it that is going to make a lot of corruption in the earth? Do the angels know human beings? No. Because the human beings haven't even been created yet. How are the angels saying that he's going to make corruption if he hasn't even been made yet? How are they making that assumption? They're making that assumption because there's already someone on the earth who makes a lot of corruption, who's very corrupt. So if you're gonna put someone else, they're gonna do the same thing. So the angels are assuming, if people have made mistakes in the past, jinns have made mistakes in the past, human beings will make the same mistakes in the future. That's their assumption. Let me tell you something. We make the same mistake. We think we have made mistakes in the past, or Muslims have made mistakes in the past, so we're gonna make the same mistakes in the future. Now angels ask this question. I forgot to tell you one thing really important. Where was Adam supposed to be? What did Allah say? Where is He going to put Adam alayhi salam? Inni ja'ilun fil... Lam yaqul inni ja'ilun fil jannati khalifa. Qal inni ja'ilun fil ardi khalifa. This is very important. Allah said, He did not create Adam for jannah. He created Adam for what? The earth. Where did I begin? I said, the Prophet said to you that you have Jannah. Didn't I say that when I first started? That you will have Jannah and how many things you will have in Jannah? Three things, you remember that? But now Allah says, Adam is supposed to come where? On the earth. You cannot have Jannah until you go through the earth. You were supposed to go on the earth. The earth is part of the plan. The earth is not a punishment. The Christians believe we live on the earth as a punishment. Muslims don't believe that. You know some Muslims think Adam salam ate from the tree and so Allah punished him and so He sent him to the earth. So coming to the earth for some people it's a punishment. I am telling you Allah sent, Allah put us on the earth before any tree or any fruit or anything. He already said you are supposed to be on the earth. That was part of the plan. That was part of the plan. Oh man, this is gonna get complicated. Listen carefully. I'm gonna give you an example because I am not ashamed to give you an example. Listen to my example carefully. Everything will start making sense. Insha'Allah. There is a person who works in a company. 
He works in a company and he is a secretary. Very low job. First, you know, at the front desk. Almost security guard kind of guy. Okay? He has to get chai for the boss. He has to, you know, drive his car and that's what he does. But he works really hard and he gets promoted. And he goes to school and he gets promoted again. And then he gets promoted again. And then he gets promoted again. He serves in this company for 30-40 years. And now he is the vice president of the company. What was his first job? Security guard for the company. And now what is he? What did I say? President or vice president? Vice president. That's a lot of promotion. He gave his whole life to this company. Now one, there's only one person who has a higher job than him. Who's that? The president. So the president walks into his office one day with a 15-year-old boy. And he says to him, Hey, listen, uh, this 15-year-old boy, he's our new vice president. Go get him some chai. Now the vice president served in this company for 40 years. He got promoted and promoted and promoted and promoted. And all of a sudden, this 15-year-old is going to be the vice president? Excuse me? No. You can't. You can't do that to me. Who is he? What degree does he have? What qualifications does he have? What has he ever done? He doesn't have he doesn't know anything. Look at what I have done. Look at what he has done. Look at my experience, look at his experience. Look at my qualifications, look at his qualifications. He does he has he even graduated from school? This boy does he even know how to spell his own name? You're gonna make him vice president? I do not accept. Oh. You feel bad for the vice president or no? I would feel bad if I was in the I was in the office watching this. I was like, man, this is not fair. Poor vice president. He worked so hard. And all of a sudden he doesn't, instead of getting a promotion, he gets this other guy and he says, This is the yeah, go get him some chai. What is this? But I'm not talking to you about a vice president, am I? Who am I talking about? Iblis. Did he serve Allah before? Did he get promoted? He got promoted even above the angels. And all of a sudden, this thing is made from dirt. And then Allah put ruh in it and says, this gets the promotion. And Iblis says what? No. You can't give him the... That's not fair. What I'm trying to tell you is that the complaint of Iblis is logical. We will solve that problem later. But the first thing you need to know is that the complaint of Iblis is understandable. You will see it in an office. You can see it inside an office. You see, it's exactly the same thing. That's the first problem. Here's the second problem. Now imagine that you work in a company and you live where in Kuwait and your company decided that they are going to transfer you they're going to transfer you to you from Kuwait they're going to transfer you to Sri Lanka okay but they don't tell you they email the whole department but they don't email you 
Everybody knows that you are going where? Where are you going to go? I forgot. Tell me. Oh, you're going to Sri Lanka. Very good. Congratulations. Everybody knows the only one who does not know is who? You. Okay. One day you come five minutes late. You come to the office, how late? Five minutes late. And your boss says, can I talk to you for a second? Come here. You have come five minutes late. This is unacceptable. I am transferring you to Sri Lanka. But wait a second. The plan was always to send me to Sri Lanka. And then somebody comes and tells me, hey listen, everybody got the email. You're going to Sri Lanka. And you say, what? Really? Yeah, you're going to Sri Lanka. And you say, I don't want to go to Sri Lanka. I want to stay here. He says, yeah, if you want to stay here, meet me in my office. It'll take five minutes. You'll only be five minutes late to work. And so you're how late to work? Five minutes. And when you're five minutes late, your boss calls you and says, why are you late? I will punish you and send you where? Sri Lanka. Sorry, Sri Lankans. I don't mean Sri Lanka is a punishment. I love Sri Lanka. <laughs> but if, you, if you're being sent there, you say, no, 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 wait a second. You already decided. You are not sending me because I made a mistake. You are sending me because that was your plan. It's not my fault. You were always going to do that. Yes or no? And then you'll show him the email. Look, the email says, you're sending me. You told everybody else. The whole department knows I'm going to be sent. But I'm not talking about you. And I'm not talking about Sri Lanka. What am I talking about? Adam alayhi salam. What did Allah tell the angels? I am going to send him where? On the earth. But Adam alayhi salam did not begin his life on the earth. He began his life in Jannah. And then, he's living in Jannah, he's told you can have anything you want. The only thing you cannot have is what? One tree, one fruit from this tree. You don't have that. Everywhere else you're free to go. Now Iblis comes to him from Surah Al-A'raf, we learn. Iblis comes to him and gives him two options. Listen to these two options. أَن تَكُونَ مَلَكَيْنِ أَوْ تَكُونَ مِنَ الْخَالِدِينَ Listen, everybody got the email. You're supposed to go where? Earth. But where do you live right now? Jannah. So you know what? The only people who get to stay here, who get the proper visa here, there's only two kinds of people who can stay in Jannah. Either you have to be an angel, or you have to be permanent residents. Khalidin. Those are the only two people who have visa that they can stay permanently in Jannah. And you know what? The only way to get visa is to eat from the tree. That's why he doesn't want you to eat from the tree. Because if you eat from the tree, what's gonna happen? Oh, then you will get permanent residence. You see, I'm telling you, the plan is to send you to the earth. Now, Adam السلام, and our mother, they eat from the tree or no? They eat from the tree. And when they eat from the tree, what does Allah say? 
get down from here? Go where? To the earth. Now I told you a little bit about Iblis and I told you a little bit about who? Adam. Let's compare the two of them. Think about this clearly. Because we have to reach some conclusions. Adam salam was given a promotion, yes or no? Yes. He was given a promotion, even the angels had to do what? Sajda. He's given a promotion. Was Iblis ever given a promotion? Yes. He was given a promotion even above the ranks of the of the angels. So they both had a promotion. Adam salam was honored by Allah. Iblis was also honored by Allah. Adam salam disobeyed Allah. Yes or no? Yes. Iblis disobeyed Allah. Yes or no? Yes. Adam salam. Before I go to Adam, Iblis, Allah, Iblis has a logical complaint. Yes or no? Remember the promotion and the vice president? Does Iblis have a logical complaint? Yes. Adam can also have a logical complaint. What's Adam's logical complaint possibly? Well, you were always going to send me to the earth. This is a trap. I eat from the tree or don't eat from the tree, you were always going to send me. You, you already knew I was going to eat from the tree. Allah already knows what I'm going to do. It's not my fault. You hear what I'm saying to you? Allah already knows what I'm going to do. It's not my fault. The first human being that could have asked that question was the first human being. <laughs> it was Adam alayhi salam. So Iblis can have a logical complaint and Adam can also have a logical complaint. The difference is, Iblis makes the complaint. Iblis complains. He says, خَلَقْتَنِي مِنْ نَارِ وَخَلَقْتَهُ مِنْ طِينَ He makes the complaint. But Adam salam does not complain. He says, رَبَّنَا ظَلَمْنَا أَنفُسَنَا He says, no, it's my fault. Even if it doesn't make sense to me, my logic is limited because I am a human being. Allah knows way more than I do. Allah has way more wisdom than I do. I know that I got greedy. I know my fault. You know what happens? When people want to blame Allah, they don't want to take responsibility. And Adam salam took personal responsibility. When people want to blame Allah, they will be like Iblis. And when people take personal responsibility, they will be like who? Adam salam. Now, Adam was sent down, yes or no? Iblis was sent down, yes or no? Ukhruj minha. He was sent down too. The difference, Adam was sent down on the earth, not as a punishment. Not as a punishment, not as a humiliation. And I'll show you why. Because when Allah sent him down, He says, فَإِمَّا يَأْتِيَنَّكُمْ مِنِّي هُدًا فَمَنْ تَبِعَ هُدَايَ فَلَا خَوْفٌ عَلَيْهِمْ وَلَا هُمْ يَحْزَنُونَ When you follow my guidance, if it, if it comes to you, if you follow my guidance, you're not going to have any problems, basically. They're not going to have any problems. Allah did not send you on the earth as a punishment. He wants you to enjoy a good life here. وَجَعَلْنَا لَكُمْ فِيهَا مَعَايِشْ he put things here so you can live a good life. Earth is not a punishment. <coughs> Tell you one more thing. Allah says, وَلَقَدْ كَرَّمْنَا بَنِي Adam." We gave nobility, we gave respect to the children of Adam. 
Did Allah give Iblis respect? No. So Iblis came down through disrespect. He's humiliated. But Adam came down, but he is still honored. He is still honored. You with me so far? Now, when we say that it's not my fault, Allah already knew what was going to happen. Allah controls everything. Allah knows everything. It's not my fault. I know I made a mistake, but it was, uh, it was destiny. It was destiny. It was supposed to happen. You know? قَدَّرَ اللَّهُ مَا شَاءَ فَعَلُ لَا أَنَا لَا مَا شِئْتُ وَلَا مَا فَعَلْتُ مَا شَاءَ وَفَعَلَا He does. I don't do anything. He did it. Let me tell you something. It's very easy to understand. <coughs> if I walk over to you right now, and I slap you, will you get angry? I, I think so. I'm not going to slap you. Relax. But if I did, would you get angry? If somebody gets into a car accident with you, on purpose, they hit your car, do you get angry? Yeah. And then they get out of the car, and they say, no, 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 that was the qadr of Allah. Do you believe that or no? You say, yes, you did it. You are angry at him or no? Yes. If you get angry at him and you say, it's his fault, he hit my car, he punched me, you want him to be responsible, yes or no? You want him to be responsible. But when you make a mistake, you say it's not my fault, Allah should be responsible. If you want other people to be held responsible, then you have to hold yourself responsible. Iblis does not want to take responsibility. Adam accepts responsibility. The entire problem of destiny is one problem, the problem of responsibility. That's all it is. People are hiding behind the excuse that it's not their fault. That's what they're hiding behind. It is their fault. I'll give you a beautiful example. Musa salam. Such a beautiful example. You know when he punched someone and they died? You remember the story? He punched someone for وَكَزَهُ مُوسَى فَقَضَى عَلَيْهِ he punched someone and he died. Now let me tell you, as soon as he punched someone and he died, قال Musa alayhi salam, هَذَا مِنْ عَمَلِ الشَّيْطَانِ This is from the work of shaitan. It was clearly an evil thing, so who did Musa alayhi salam blame? He blamed shaitan. But the problem is, who punched him? Shaitan didn't punch him, who punched him? Musa alayhi salam punched him. So why is he saying عَمَلُ shaitan? Actually, in the next ayah, he takes responsibility. He says, I hold shaitan responsible, but I also hold myself responsible. قَالَ رَبِّ إِنِّي ظَلَمْتُ نَفْسِي I blame myself, I wrong myself. I made a mistake. He admits his mistake. Some people like to blame shaitan, some people like to blame Allah. The only person they don't blame is who? themselves. This is the big lesson from the story of Adam Both sides can make a logical complaint. Sometimes you will study things in the Quran, you don't understand them. But even if you don't understand them, you know they come from Al-Hakim. They know that you know they come from someone who knows everything. So now, my first comparison was between Adam and who? Iblis. Now we're going to do our second comparison. 
My second comparison is going to be between the angels and Adam. The second comparison is between who? The angels and Adam salam. When Allah said He's going to make a Khalifa on the earth, what did the angels say? Sami'na wa ata'na. What did they say? أَتَجْعَلُوا فِيهَا مَنْ يُفْسِدُ فِيهَا وَيَسْفِكُ الدِّمَاءِ وَنَحْنُ نُسَبِّحُ بِحَمْدِكَ وَنُقَدِّسُ لَكَ Are you really going to put someone on the earth who will make corruption and he will spill blood, he will kill, he will murder, he will do war, he will commit crimes? Are you really going to do that? We are already here. We do tasbih of you. We already do tasbih of you. Did the angels question the decision? Yes. Allah was going to create the human being and the angels asked, is this really a good idea? They asked, didn't they? Now what do you know about angels? Do angels ever disobey Allah? No. Do angels ever disrespect Allah? No. The angels are always obeying Allah. They do whatever they're told. And they are musabbihun. They're always doing tasbih of Allah. They never, ever, ever disrespect Allah. Ever. But how come they ask this question? This question seems like they're questioning Allah. You know what we learn from this? We learn that when you ask questions about what Allah says, when you ask questions about what Allah says, and you are respectful, there's a difference. There's a respectful way to ask a question, and there's an arrogant way to ask a question. When you ask questions respectfully, that is not disobedience to Allah. You have the right to ask questions when you don't understand something. If the angels can ask Allah, you can ask your shaykh, it's okay. It's okay. Even Allah can be asked a question. You understand? You know what happened now nowadays in so many places? Somebody is teaching you deen. They're teaching you tafsir. They're teaching you aqidah. <coughs> They're teaching you a hadith. And you have a question. Uh, Shaykh, uh, that doesn't make sense to me. I'll show you. Doesn't make sense to you? <coughs> show some respect. Don't ask questions. Just listen. We don't, we are discouraged from asking questions, yes or no? If somebody's asking questions, they say, this is waswasa from shaitan. Why are you asking questions? You have no right to ask questions. I say, Allah is teaching us that even angels have the right to ask questions. And we have been given a status above the angels or no? We have been. We have the right to ask questions, people. We have the right to ask questions. But let me tell you, we have the right to ask questions, but Allah has the right to give whatever answer He wants. Listen to me carefully. Allah will give whatever answer who wants? He wants. Sometimes we ask a question, and when our teacher answers it, we're not satisfied. Does that happen or no? Your teacher answers a question, you're like, that still doesn't make sense. It might happen. But Allah Azza wa Jal, when He answers a question, even if it doesn't make sense to you at first, you submit to Allah and you come in submission and you will begin to understand. 
if you say, well, you explained it, but I still don't understand, then you, he will never let you understand. That is arrogance. Angels ask the question, and Allah says, إِنِّي أَعْلَمُ مَا لَا تَعْلَمُونَ I know what you don't know. I know something about Adam, you have no idea about it. Somebody remind me, what is the complaint of the angels? What is the problem with Adam? What is the problem with Adam? He will do corruption and he will kill. Yes? He will do corruption and he will kill. You know this is Surah Al-Baqarah. I told you, right? This is Surah Al-Baqarah. Right after the story of Adam salam is the story of Bani Israel. You know that? And when you read the story of Bani Israel, did they do corruption? Did they do corruption? Yes. Did they spill blood? Yes. لا تسفكون دماءكم لا تخرجون أنفسكم من دياركم ثم أنتم هؤلاء تقتلون أنفسكم Allah describes in Bani Israel the story of Bani Israel that they did corruption and they spilled blood. When, I, when you read the story of Bani Israel, it makes you think, hey, wait a second, the angels were right. Because <laughs> they said he'll be corrupt and he will spill blood. And that's what you read. And this was supposed to be the best nation, yes? Inni faddaltukum ala alameen. I gave you preference over all other nations. So it makes you wonder, what is Allah saying? How come He's saying He knows something the angels don't know? Because so far, when you read Surah Al-Baqarah, all you learn is the angels are right so far. It seems to be that they, they were exactly accurate. Human beings will be corrupt and human beings will spell bread, even when you send them prophets. <coughs> Did Allah send Bani Israel prophets? Even then? Even then. But then how did Allah make His point? This is amazing guys. This is what I find so beautiful. وَعَلَّمَ آدَمَ الْأَسْمَاءَ كُلَّهَا Allah taught Adam alayhi salam names of everything. All kinds of names. Adam alayhi salam was given vocabulary. He was given education. By the way, when he says أَسْمَاءَ الْأَسْمَاءَ كُلَّهَا you know what he's talking about? He's not talking about Qur'an and Sunnah. He's not talking about Wahi. He's talking about mountains and trees and oceans and rivers and fish and horses. He taught him names of all the things. All the things that he will see where? On the earth. Allah Azza taught Adam salam language. And actually, to this day, Everything you study. How many people are engineers in the audience? Engineers, show your hands. Accountants, anybody accountants? Doctors or medical profession? Medical profession? Okay. Doesn't matter which or any, how many students are in the audience. Tell me how many students are in the audience. Three students? MashaAllah. So listen, whatever you study, if you study medicine, if you study accounting, if you study engineering, does every one of those sciences have its own vocabulary? Yes or no? It has its own vocabulary. It has its own terminology. The doctor uses certain terminology. The engineer uses different terminology. The accountant uses different terminology, right? And you know what? All of that terminology came from some previous science, which came from some previous science, which came from some previous science. And the beginning of all the terminology is the terminology Allah gave to Adam alayhi salam. 
Every single science you are learning is a child of what was given to Adam It doesn't matter which book you're reading, physics, chemistry, history, philosophy, you know, anthropology, sociology, every word you are reading is actually a byproduct of the things given to Adam It is amazing. You know what that means? That means we have to have respect for all the sciences. Because all of them actually, in one sense, are from Allah. All the sciences. You know, some young people come to me sometimes and say, I want to study deen, fi sabilillah. I don't want to study dunya. I say, what's wrong with you, young ullu ke pathe? What is wrong with you? When you study science, you are also studying the ayat of Allah. When you're studying history, you're also studying the ayat of Allah. We have to study deen and we have to study dunya and we have to study them together because this is the ummah of balance. Allah did not just teach us about Jannah, He also te- taught us about this world. <coughs> the Qur'an wants you to go and learn. It wants you to go and learn. So, the, so this deen promotes education. Anyway, Adam salam was taught the names of everything. And then Allah brings him before the angels. فَقَالَ أَنْبِئُونِي بِأَسْمَاءِ هَؤُلَاءِ إِن كُنْتُمْ صَادِقِينَ Now you tell me the names of these things. Angels are being tested. Do you know the names of these things? And the angels say, سُبْحَانَكْ لَا عِلْمَ لَنَا No, no, no. Sorry. Ya Rabb, you are too perfect. You, we have no knowledge at all. We have no knowledge at all. Human beings know something, angels don't even know it. Human beings know science, like angels don't even know it. Human beings know terminology and vocabulary, like angels don't even know it. This is something Allah gave exclusively to who? Adam salam and his children. That's what He gave us. Now, here's my logical question again. I keep asking you difficult questions today. Here's my next question. What was the complaint of the angels? He will be corrupt, he will spill blood, he will kill, yes? And Allah says, let me give you the answer. Do you know the names of these things? And we say, no, we don't know. The angels say, we don't know the names of these things. There's your answer. That's not an answer. How does that answer the question that he will kill? How does that answer the question that he'll be corrupt? Let me add something more. I told you the names given to Adam salam leads to all the science we have in the world today. Yes or no? Now is science used to kill people? Is it used to kill people? Yeah. Is science used to create corruption? Is technology used for evil reasons? Yes, it's used for good, but most of the time, <laughs> it's used for evil. Weapons, sometimes they're used for good, most of the time, weapons are used for evil. So even the names that he taught him, did it lead to good or evil most of the time? It leads, looks like it leads to evil most of the time. Allah says, that's my answer. I have taught him, I have not taught you. Why is that the answer? Allah is letting the angels know that He knows the potential of human beings. Human beings have amazing potential. And they will show like no other creation of Allah, لَقَدْ خَلَقْنَا الْإِنسَانَ فِي أَحْسَنِ تَقْوِيمٍ The best of all creation. إِنَّا عَرَضْنَا الْأَمَانَةِ Allah tried to give the amana, 
this responsibility to the skies, the earth, the mountains. فَأَبَيْنَ أَنْ يَحْمِلْنَهَا Nothing, no creation of Allah could hold the responsibility. But Allah gave the responsibility to which creature? Human beings. To become, to take care of the earth and to do it even though they have a choice to do evil. And so far, up until 2015, if you look at the history of the world, whether you look at Egyptian history, or you look at Babylonian history, or you look at Jewish history, or you look at Roman history, or you look at Mongolian history, what does it look like? Did we do corruption or no? Did we spill blood or no? We did. So far we have failed. But Allah knows something we don't know. Allah knows something the angels don't know. What does He know? Here's what He knows. وَكَذَلِكَ جَعَلْنَاكُمْ أُمَّةً وَسَطًا That is how He made you the balanced nation, the middle nation. We, the Muslims, are supposed to prove to the angels that Allah was right. Listen to what I'm saying. Allah said He knows something the angels don't know. Up until now, it seems like the angels were right. But actually, Allah knows there will be this one ummah. This one ummah. That will be shuhada ala nas. They will be witnesses unto all of humanity. They will rise to the occasion. They will be the perfect balance between deen and between dunya. They will be the perfect balance between men and between women. They're going to be the perfect balance between the spiritual and the material. These people are going to be the ultimate example of balance. And that's going to be us, the Muslims, because we have the most balanced book ever given, that is the Qur'an. That's our responsibility. That's the story of Adam salam. The story of Adam salam is actually talking about us. It's not talking about anybody else. We have a right to ask questions so we understand better. Because when we understand better, we learn to take responsibility. Remember I talked about responsibility? Who didn't take responsibility? Iblis. And then Adam salam took responsibility. And now it is the turn of this ummah to take responsibility. Because when Allah taught us about Bani Israel, did they take responsibility or they failed? They failed. And then Allah taught us about the Qibla and making us into an ummah because now it is our turn to take responsibility. It's our turn. Subhanallah. It's such an incredible story that culminates in you and me. In you and me taking our role. Subhanallah. Last thing I want to tell you, and inshallah ta'ala then I'll open it up for questions. I don't want to make it like a too long of a lecture. I just wanted to present some of these ideas to you so you think what an amazing role you and I have to play on this earth. Every one of you. There are people in the audience that do work on the street. There are taxi drivers. There are people that work in restaurants. There are people that are day laborers and cleaners. All of you have a responsibility. Not just the wealthy, the poor, every human being. Allah gave every single one of us responsibility. Without any exceptions. And Allah honored every single one of us. Because why should we hold our responsibility? Because when Allah sees that from you, you go back to the house that He made for you. You are only here temporarily. Lahum jannat. Remember in the, at the end of my talk, talk, I was gonna ask you about three things. What does He give us in Jannah? What was number one? Mm, fruits. What next? Huh? Okay. 
What's last? They live forever. Now listen. Adam alayhi salam used to be where in the beginning? Where did he used to be? Jannah. وَقُلْنَا يَا آدَمْ أُسْكُنْ أَنْتَ وَزَوْجُكَ الْجَنَّةِ Live in Jannah. We will live in Jannah for what? Forever. Adam was told at least for now, live in Jannah. Temporary. The first, the first experience of Jannah was temporary. The next experience of Jannah will be what? Permanent. Then he says, you live and you live with your wife. The second thing he's told is, live with your wife. He got him married. When we go to Jannah, what was the second thing? Marriage. And it used to, when we were in Jannah, when Adam was in Jannah, marriage was mentioned. Number two. Number one was living. Number two was marriage. For us, number three was living. And number two was marriage. What was number one for us? What was number one? Any kind of fruit you want. Yes? Any kind of fruit you want. And number three for Adam was, you can have everything but not any kind of fruit. Stay away from one fruit. Yeah? So when we go back to Jannah, it will actually be better than Adam salam found it. It'll even be better. Because then when we go back, Allah is not going to say, okay, well, this is the tree of Adam, don't go near this one. No, no, no. Any fruit. Kulikhaw. Now enjoy yourself. It's this beautiful balance in the story between what we are going to get and where the story began. This is the kalam of Allah. It's so, so beautiful. How things just tie together. Everything just ties together. SubhanAllah. This is the gift of Allah to this ummah. Wallahi, people say the Muslims believe in the story of Adam and Eve. The Christians believe in the story of Adam and Eve. The Jews believe in the story of Adam and Eve. I challenge them. Do they have the story of our parents in this beauty? Not even close. Not even close. They, have, they, they even took the basic story and corrupted it. But what we have is so much more powerful. And it answers so many important philosophical questions. It addresses the biggest problem of humanity. It reduces the entire problem of predestination to just responsibility. SubhanAllah. Just responsibility. And you, will, you and I... How then? This is my last part, two minutes long, I promise you. And this is not Pakistani two minutes, and Indian two minutes. This is American two minutes. So it's actually two minutes. Okay? Let me tell you what these two minutes are about. How do we take responsibility? How? Okay, now I know I have to be responsible. How do I do it? How do I do it? I'm not gonna tell you 100 steps. I just want to tell you one step. When you do one step, then you come back to me, we'll have some lunch, and I'll tell you step two. But right now, let's only worry about what? Step one. When did the Messenger ﷺ become a messenger? At what age? 40. And at the age of 40, he started doing da'wah, yes? He started doing da'wah. Now, was he living in Mecca before then? Yes. Did people know him before then? What did they call him? They used to give him some nice names. What were the nice names they gave him? Al-Sadiq? Al-Ameen. Did he ever talk to them about Islam before the age of 40? No. He did business with them. He lived with them. He was neighbors with them. He was friends with them. He ate with them. Yes? 
He talked with them every day. He helped them. He gave charity to them. That's all they had with him. For 40 years, the only thing they knew was As-Sadiq and Al-Ameen. And they knew that the most responsible person in our entire city is one person. Who is that? Muhammad. They don't call him Rasulullah yet. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Now, that's your step one. Your step one as an ummah, my step one as an ummah, is we have to show the character of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. As-Sadiq and Al-Ameen to the entire world. So when they think of Muslims, they think of someone honest. When they think of Muslims, they think of someone they can trust. Right now, it is so bad, we can't even trust each other. We can't even trust each other. We lie and we cheat. We lie and we cheat in business. We lie and we cheat in our families. We lie and we cheat in inheritance. We lie and we cheat in our jobs. We lie and we cheat in our tax forms. We lie and we cheat every chance we get. We lie and we cheat. The guy who's in the store selling cloth, you know the ladies, they go to buy clothes. Baji, I have to give it to you. I have to sell it to you for a hundred. Because I bought it for 99. I will only make one. The guy bought it for 10, but he has to make a whole story so he can get her to buy it for 99. Okay, okay, you just take it for 99, it's okay. And he makes this whole story. You can't even sell something without lying. How are we going to earn Sadiq and Ameen for the entire world? We don't even think each other are Sadiq and Ameen. We don't think each other are Sadiq and Ameen. You know, when you go in the Muslim world somewhere, not here, anywhere in the Muslim world, and you get in a taxi, if they can tell I'm American, three times the price. Why? Is that, is that, is that amana? Is that amana? You go to a mechanic, Muslim mechanic, mashallah, Muslim mechanic. I need an oil change. He opens your car, takes out the transmission, you need a new transmission too. I don't know car, he knows cars. We're cheating people. We're lying to people. We're dishonest to people. And then we talk about the deen of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the da'wah to Islam, the sharia of Rasulullah sallallahu Wait a second, hold on. 40 years first. Step one. Step one. Nobody thinks we're honest right now. Nobody thinks we're trustworthy right now. That is our priority. That is when da'wah actually makes sense to people. Because before you even open your mouth, they love you. They love you. This man will never lie. I can trust him over anybody else. This is what a Muslim is supposed to be. So many of your co-workers are Hindu, so many of your co-workers are Christian in this country, so many of your co-workers are Buddhist, or maybe even atheists or agnosts. The only thing about Islam they know is not the Qur'an. They don't know the Qur'an. The only Islam they know is you. You are Islam to them. You are the ambassador of Rasulullah to them, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So when you tell your co-worker, I'll be there in five minutes. Five minutes, I know the Sunni five minutes. Five minutes means sometime today. And the best one is, you haven't even left home yet. And they call you, where are you? Oh, I'm on the way. 
You're not on the way. You haven't even brushed your teeth. You're driving from like another country. You're driving over three hours away. Hey, where are you? Are you coming? Yeah, yeah, just 10 minutes. Three hours, you convert them into... You're not in a helicopter, man. You're in a car. (laughs) Be honest. In these little things, if we cannot be honest in little things, then definitely we cannot be honest in big things. And when we cannot be honest in big things, we will not be ready for this responsibility. I know I took more than two minutes, so I'm going to stop. I'll give you guys an opportunity to ask whatever questions, inshallah ta'ala. I hope that you guys benefited from this conversation. I'm making lots and lots of dua for all of you, that Allah Azza wa Jal raise the status of the Muslims to where it's supposed to be. May Allah make you and your children, your families, examples of Sidq and amana for the entire world to see. May Allah bless the Muslims of Kuwait. May Allah Azza wa Jal put barakah in every, every ounce of your rizq and keep you away from fitna and keep you away from the haram. May Allah Azza wa Jal increase the love of the Muslims towards each other in this nation. That he, they, they find each other, they, they have a soft corner towards one another and they emulate the beautiful character of our Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa Thank you so very much for listening. I'll take some questions now. Barakallahu li wa lakum. Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. The question is about what happened in France. Everybody knows what happened in France? You guys know what happened in France? Charlie Hebdo? Okay. I have a few things to say about that. And I think there are probably other questions about this too, so I'll combine all of my thoughts on this issue, inshallah ta'ala, and put them as, as briefly as I can. There are two kinds of people who make fun of Islam. Please understand. There are two kinds of people who make fun of Islam. There are people who no matter what they know about Islam, they will still hate Islam and they will make fun of Islam. You can never impress them, you can never convince them. These are the children of Abu Lahab. You can never convince them. Even if the Prophet ﷺ is living next door, you cannot convince them. The second kind of people that make fun of Islam know nothing about Islam. They have no idea about Islam. All they know is the crazy behavior of Muslims. That's all they know. And so they assume that the Muslims are crazy because Islam made them crazy. So they're actually not making fun of Islam, they are making fun of Muslims. Because Muslims do ridiculous things. This is the first point. There are how many kinds of people who make fun of Islam? Two. People who do it on purpose, and they are actually making fun of Islam, and then people who are actually criticizing Muslims through their humor. That's the first thing. The second thing is that there is a difference between the enemies of Islam today and the enemies of Islam at the time of Rasulullah wasallam. Please listen to this carefully. At the time of Rasulullah wasallam, the enemies of Islam were there because the Rasul wasallam was inviting people to be honest. He was challenging corruption. He stood for justice. He was telling people that the slave and the slave master are equal. They have to stand in one line. He was destroying the system of Quraysh. 
and replacing it with the justice of Islam. They became his enemies because he was talking about the truth. And every time you meet the Prophet ﷺ, and every time you meet a Sahabi of the Prophet ﷺ, you will get the same exact message of truth. Not only in their speech, but also in their practice. And that, that some people hated it. And so they became enemies of Islam. Today, do the Muslims have enemies? Yes. But Muslims have enemies for political reasons, for economic reasons, for social reasons, for business reasons. But they don't have enemies to Islam because we are the champions of justice. And we stand tall for the oppressed. They don't know anything about that. We don't do that. And we have enemies, but for different reasons. You understand? So what people do sometimes is they compare the enemies of the Prophet ﷺ of that time <coughs> to our enemies of this time. Two different things because they are enemies for two different reasons. You cannot to compare two things that happen for two different reasons. Now, how do we respond? The first thing is, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Allah says about him, وَرَفَعْنَا لَكَ ذِكْرَكَ We raised your mention every single day when the adhan is recited and somebody recites, أَشْهَدُ أَنَّ مُحَمَّدَ الرَّسُولُ اللَّهِ If the sound goes in your ear, what do you say? Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Every single second of the day, somewhere in the world, there is adhan happening. And somebody is saying, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. We are elevating the mention of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam 24-7. 24-7. Not by one person, billions, billions of people. And on top of all of that, that's just human effort. But on top of all of that, Inna Allaha wa malaikatahu yusalluna ala nabi. Allah and the angels are sending salawat upon the Prophet ﷺ. So I am trying to raise his status, but Allah Himself raises his status. And all the angels raise his status. So when one idiot of a human being, when one dog barks, it takes nothing away from the dignity of Rasulullah ﷺ. It is as stupid as thinking that a dog, somebody spitting at the sun, when you try to spit at the sun, it'll come on your own face. You cannot make fun of Rasulullah It is impossible. It is impossible. We have to learn to adopt the attitude of Rasulullah himself. His name is Muhammad. But when they criticized him, and they, they made fun of him, and they called him Mudhammam. When Hind called him Mudhammam, he said, she's talking about someone else. He just said, I don't know who that is. She's talking about someone else. He did not say, how dare you call me with... No, 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 no. Wait, wait, wait. Don't worry. Let it go. You don't have to... If a, if, let me tell you this. If a dog is barking at you, you're walking on the street, a dog came, Ruff! What do you say? Oh yeah? Ruff! When a dog is barking at you, what do you do? You leave it alone. You leave it alone. Let these dogs bark. Let them bark. Actually, when you answer them, then they get louder. And then more dogs show up. 
these people need attention. They need attention. That newspaper had few hundred, few thousand distribution. After the Muslims protested, after the Muslims did this idiotic thing, they did something that Rasul would never allow, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and they killed these people. <coughs> did they honor the Prophet? Now that same cartoon that some few hundred people saw has been seen by millions, if not billions of people. These people think they helped the Prophet They spread the problem way more. They helped the advertising more than anybody could have done. More than anybody could have done. Actually, the, the, the people who made fun of the Rasul did a crime. But the Muslims did far bigger crime. Far bigger, because they spread it all over the world. There are even people saying, hey, I don't know what this card is, let me see. Even the Muslims are looking at it. Don't look at it. Don't look at it. Don't spread it. Because even when you click the video, or click the fan page, or whatever, just to see. I'm not a fan, I just want to see what they did. Then you are adding to the hit count, yes? So it looks like it has 10 million hits, or 15 million hits, or whatever. And you know what happens on the internet, right? When something has a lot of hits, and you say, let me look at it, it has a lot of hits. So you are supporting it, even if you're against it. The best thing to do when a dog barks is what? Ignore it. This nonsense will continue, and wallahi, much worse than this has already been done. It's been done. And it's not new. It's been happening since the time of the Prophet ﷺ. So we need to understand, first of all, this does not affect anything. Then the next point. The next point is, am I offended? Absolutely. Absolutely I am offended. Are the Muslims supposed to be offended? Absolutely. I have a suggestion. I have a suggestion that Muslim organizations, Muslim governments, Muslim institutions, bring lawsuits, take these people to court for defamation. If the Jewish community in Europe can ban the conversation about the Holocaust, you cannot deny the Holocaust in Europe, you go to jail. They say they have freedom of speech until you talk about the Holocaust. In America, you have freedom of expression until you burn the American flag. There are some things they will not let you do. Every society has some things that are offensive to them. Muslims are no different. This is offensive to us. But I am arguing, we have to learn to speak their language. These people, they don't worship anything except money. All they worship is what? Money. When we protest, and we make a lot of noise, we give them publicity, and when they have more publicity, they make more money. But when we take them to court, and we sue them for millions and billions of dollars, they lose their money. We need to learn to learn, to learn the language, language of attack. We need to become more sophisticated in our attack. Protests will not do anything except help them. It will help them. And they, you, you know, right? They've been doing this for a long time now. They made one cartoon. The, da the Danish cartoons, you remember those? Then this happened. Then you had the YouTube video. More protests. Then you have Charlie Hebdo. And you know what? This is not going to be the last one. Because they know they can get the reaction out of the Muslims every time. So they will play with us every time. We are falling into their game. 
We have to understand the game and play it smarter than them. And not be reactionary. This is, this is what I think. Allah Ta'ala A'lam. This is what I think. I'm not saying do nothing. But I'm saying react. But react intelligently. React collectively. React in a sophisticated way. This is what we have to learn to do. We have to mature our response. Inshallah Ta'ala. Other questions? Sisters have questions or no? Sisters don't speak in Kuwait. Yeah. Uh, okay. Hey, everybody who's standing up there, just sit down for a little bit. Ah, relax. Very good. Do sisters have a mic? No, they don't? Can we get them a mic? See if you can get them a mic, inshallah. Anyway, any other brother have a question? Yeah, I'll take two more, inshallah. Yeah. In the light of throwing anti-Islamic propaganda, such as anti-Islam protest in some parts of the West for when discussion, equating Islam with terrorism, mm. what is the prospect of Islam and Muslims in the West? What is the prospect of Islam and Muslims in the West in light of all the anti-Islam machinery? I live in the West. Let me tell you, Islam has amazing prospect in the West. Amazing prospect in the West. Muslims in the West, may Allah protect them <coughs> and preserve them. Something really amazing is happening in the West. When this Charlie Hado thing happened, I live in Texas. I live in Texas. You know Texas? Like, pshu pshu Texas? Okay? Now, in Texas, we had a, we had a, a, a rally for Muslims. Stand with the Prophet. Stand with the Prophet. And when we had that rally for Muslims, only a few hundred Muslims came. Some people showed up from, you know, some small towns in Texas. Have you ever seen biker gangs? These people that have glasses, tattoos on their arm, leather jacket, big Harley Davidson motorcycle. Seen those guys? They showed up. They showed up. Go back to your country. They made a lot of noise. They brought guns with them just to show off. Just to show off. They're not going to do anything. But you know what? The media saw it. And these people, even Americans think they're crazy. Yeah? Even Americans think they're crazy. So you know what happens in the media? Now the people who are anti-Islam look crazy. <laughs> this is a good thing. This is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. Let them make more noise. It'll show how intolerant they are. They believe that the Muslims are extreme, Muslims are violent, Muslims are intolerant. What are you? What is this? Let the film speak for itself. There are, and by the way, some amazing people are rising to the occasion. In the West, the conversation about Islam is not one way. You know what happened in Texas? The Muslims went to the, the state house in Austin, the Capitol Hill in Austin. And one of the governors of one of the cities in Texas, he said, all the Muslims of America that are like American citizens, all the Muslims should declare their loyalty to the American constitution and they should make public statements that they don't believe in jihad. He said that, that all the Muslims should do this. We did not answer him. Muslims did not answer him. The non-Muslims answered him. The non-Muslims answered him. He said, okay, you know what? Let's ask all white people to denounce the Ku Klux, Ku Klux Klan. <laughs> 
and declare their loyalty to the United States Constitution. Let's ask all the Cuban Muslims to denounce communism because they might be from Cuba and, and declare their loyalty to the Constitution. What are you talking about? This is ridiculous. We didn't say it. The non-Muslims said it. The non-Muslims said it. You know what happened in Australia? This girl was scared because she was riding in the train. She was scared to wear her hijab and she took it off. And somebody came to her and said, don't worry, keep it on, I will ride with you. And that started trending on the internet. There, there's, this is an opportunity. If, if we can take advantage of this opportunity, this is actually an opportunity to raise awareness about Islam. I'll give you one last story, my favorite story. This is a recent story from last week. A Christian woman from Texas lives in Japan, in Tokyo. She's in Japan in Tokyo. She emailed me. She says, when the Charlie Hado incident happened, and there were so many protests, I became curious, so I looked up Quran, you know, and protests on YouTube. And I found your video. She told me she found my video. So I watched your video, and I became very impressed with the Quran. So I started, you know, learning Qur'an from Bayina TV. I subscribed to Bayina TV and I'm, I'm watching your lessons on the Qur'an. She started by saying she's Christian. At the end of her email, thank you for introducing me to Allah and His Messenger. She became Muslim. She, became, she told me she watches so many videos, she lost all the data on her phone. You know, that's what she was emailing about. Could you make them less heavy because I have too much data on my phone? That's what her email was about. You know what I'm saying? It looks bad on the news. But the reality is, this is opening an opportunity for people to actually discover what our deen is really about. Which means we have to take responsibility and open that conversation with our Muslim, you know, non-Muslim friends and neighbors, inshaAllah ta'ala. Speaking of which, there are a couple of tables outside for those of you that are, how many people here don't speak Arabic? Don't speak Arabic, show of hands. Oh, most people, okay good, you don't speak Arabic, it's okay. Me neither, sometimes. If you'd like to learn Arabic, I would like to teach you. If you want to learn some Arabic, yeah? Oh, table. Okay, see these red tables over here guys? This red table over here and that red table over there? I put some gift cards on there for you. To the access to the website where I teach Arabic. 15 minutes at a time. I teach my 15-year-old daughter and she's learning a lot. Alhamdulillah. She's learning Nahu and stuff. She's learning how to understand the Quran in Arabic. And if she can learn it, you can learn it. It's only a commitment of 10-15 minutes a day for 3 days a week. That's it. 2-3 days a week. Easy. And within 6 months inshallah, you'll start enjoying Salah. you start beginning to understand what's happening in Quran. So it's not that difficult. So if you're interested, there's only a few cards, inshallah, when this talk is done, just take one with you and try it. Those of you that already have Bayina TV access, just give, take it and give it to somebody as a gift. Because we want to spread this mission, inshallah ta'ala. I'll take one last question, and I'll ask your permission. Yeah. It is a question. As you said that, uh, that angels, when they ask Allah that, you will be you will be punished for uh, that the, he's going to place a creature on the earth who's yeah. going to spill blood. So by sign, no, he he didn't say that. 
Allah said. Angels said that. Yeah. So, what my question is, by science and by carbon dating, we know that the animals and other life forms have been on Earth yeah. since 4.5 billion years, and most of the creatures have been spilling blood. Okay, sure. that's what they do for survival. Sure. So my question is, didn't the angels know that there are some creatures on Earth already existing who are spilling blood? And moreover, you said that uh, Iblis, uh, Iblis complained about his problems and all of that. Of what? Proudness. Promise? Proudness, proudness, being proud. Oh, proud, pride. Yes, yes, yes. okay. Sure. So, what was Iblis' fault if his proudness overwhelmed his goodness? Okay, good questions. Excellent question. Uh, regards to your first question, uh, which was once again about the you know other animals and other species being on the earth spilling blood. The conversation in the Qur'an of spilling blood being an evil thing actually has to do with creatures of conscience. The Qur'an's, the, the Islamic viewpoint is the conscious creatures are angels, human beings, and jinn. These creatures have choice, conscious decisions, a distinction between right and wrong. A lion has no distinction between right and wrong. It has a distinction between lunch and dinner. That's all it has. So that's, it's not a crime for a, a lion or an alligator or whatever else to eat what it eats. You understand? But creatures that have a moral compass, and these three have a moral compass, have that problem. They, they, they especially human beings and jinn, because they are designed by Allah to have choice. Okay? Now, this, to, to your, which is what the, the, the concern was. The concern wasn't about the animals. It was actually more likely about the jinns beforehand. Now, in regards to your second question, remind me again, what was it again? Oh, pride, yes. Pride is a feature of Iblis. That Allah put in him. Allah actually says about human beings too. فَأَلْهَمَهَا فُجُورَهَا وَتَقْوَاهَا This is a responsibility Allah gave to a creature before us, Iblis. You have the opportunity to, to have pride, and you have the opportunity to have humility. Now let me tell you, we are not supposed to be 100% humble and we're not supposed to be 100% proud. We are supposed to find the balance between both of those things. Let's understand the spectrum. On the one spectrum is pride and on the other spectrum is, end of the spectrum is humility. You understand that? And what's in the middle? In the middle there is confidence. Confidence that on the one hand you know your weaknesses, but on the other hand you are also confident in your abilities. Yes? You're realistic about them. Like, when I'm speaking to you in this audience of thousands of people, it requires confidence, yes or no? It requires confidence. But on the other hand, if I start thinking of myself as better than you, then that would be a form of what? Arrogance. Too much confidence becomes arrogance. And not enough confidence becomes weakness. Like, I, I won't be able to speak, I'll get too nervous. I have to find the balance between the two. The, the responsibility given to the jinn that they failed, that he failed in, was he was supposed to be able to balance those two sides of the equation. He wasn't actually reasonable in his pride. Human beings will have to also learn that balance. Allah gave us both of those sides, 
and we are the only ones that have to find that balance ourselves. It's a struggle. That is the struggle of this life. Finding balance between the two extremes. On the one hand we have anger, on the other hand we have love. We have to have balance. On the one hand you have patience, right? And on the other hand you have you know, gratitude. You have to find balance between these things. In virtually every quality of life, there are two extremes. And that is actually what the Qur'an promotes, is the finding the fine-tuned balance between two extremes. Understand? And that's essentially the problem of Iblis. The quality was given to him, but the issue is it wasn't the only quality given to him. He was given something exactly on the opposite end too. And he was supposed to mitigate and negotiate between both of them. He failed to do so. Okay? And he was given the ability to balance that too. It's not like he didn't have that ability. You can't say he got overwhelmed. Yes, he got overwhelmed, people get overwhelmed, but they also have the ability to calm down. You know, that's what makes us human. Unlike animals who can't control themselves, human beings can control themselves. They can hold themselves back. We are capable of that. That is what makes us fundamentally human, inshaAllah ta'ala. Okay, there's some sisters' questions, I'll take those. And we can talk off the mic too, inshaAllah. Does any decree that befalls on us, should we blame ourselves or Allah? Listen, 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 everybody listen. When something bad happens to you, I'll say that again so you're listening. When something bad happens to you, that is not because you are a bad person. When something bad happens to you, that is not because you are a bad person. It happens because it is a test from Allah. The only time bad things happen, and that's because you're a bad person, is in the Akhirah. Did bad things happen to Rasulullah wasallam? Yes. Yes. He's the best person. You should not look at your life experience and say, this is because I'm a bad person. Now, that's the first thing. The second thing, sometimes it might be a punishment from Allah, but you will never know. You will never know. Are there floods in the world? Yes. Are there earthquakes in the world? Yes. Was Nuh salam's nation flooded? Yes. So there's a flood that happened at the time of Nuh, and there's a flood that happened last year. Yes. People died from a flood at the time of Nuh. People died in 2014. Yes or no? But the people who died at the time of Nuh salam, it is absolutely clear it is because of the sins of people, because Allah revealed that. And they had a messenger among them. And that's why they got punished. But when people died because of a flood in 2014, there was no messenger, there was no revelation. We don't know why they died. Maybe they died and went straight to Jannah. Maybe it's a fitna from Allah. Some people in it were evil, some people in it were good. We have no idea. We cannot say these people got a flood because they're evil. This is wrong. This is wrong. So we have to understand, trials happen, bad things happen sometimes, and they are, what the, the reason behind them, sometimes only Allah knows. We're not gonna know. We will not know. Just like the angels can't understand everything, just like Musa alayhi salam with Khidr can't understand everything, sometimes Allah does things in this world, we cannot understand. The one thing we do know is, وَلَنَبْلُوَنَّكُمْ You know, Allah will test you. And He will test you with good, and He will test you with evil. Sometimes He'll test you with good things, and sometimes He'll test you with hurtful things, harmful things. So we have to try to find that balance between them. May Allah Azza wa Jal give us true reliance on Him. Thank you so very much for being patient with me this evening and listening. 
Jazakumullahu uh, khairan. I'll stick around to say some salams to you guys, inshallah ta'ala. And my apologies to the sisters that I couldn't uh, see or ask you questions. Typically, I like to give you an opportunity. If I get a chance, maybe I'll be outside. You can ask some questions, inshallah.